Welcome to As Luck Would Have It. My name is Christina, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm part of the church council and pastoral care team here at Leichhardt Uniting Church, where I've been attending for four and a half years. We're a church based on Gadigal land in Sydney, Australia. You'll find us at Leichhardt Uniting Church-LUC on Facebook, and sermons are on YouTube under the same name. You can find more information about our church and our team at leichhartuniting.org.au. In this episode of As Luck Would Have It, Jonathan Rowe is preaching on the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. This is part two of a four-part series on eco-anxiety and discipleship, hosted by our pastoral care team. I will be providing the reading ahead of the sermon from the New Revised Standard Version. This is Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to the span of your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Thus ends the reading. Please enjoy the following sermon. Today, as we will on each Sunday this month, we're reflecting on eco-anxiety and discipleship. What does it mean to be followers of Jesus in a warming world? What does the good news of the gospel have to say about our anxiety and worry? The reading today is one many of you probably know. It's one that's commonly shared by well-meaning Christians in times of fear and uncertainty. I myself, in years gone by, have found comfort in the words of Jesus found here. Do not worry about your life. But as I revisited this passage in recent weeks, I couldn't help but find it less comforting than I once remembered. The metaphors that Jesus uses no longer feel like they hold up in a warming world. It reads, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Except we know that birds of the air along with many other species, are facing extinction at an alarming rate. Their habitats have been destroyed and their food chains disrupted. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. And yet around us, we see once green plains, scorched brown by drought, 
flowers are wilting away, their beds turn to dust. And I have to admit, the metaphor that Jesus uses of grass, which is alive today, but tomorrow is thrown into the oven, feels a little bit on the nose as temperatures rise year on year. Even Jesus' command, do not worry about your life, doesn't feel as helpful as I once found it. For any of you who have struggled with anxiety or supported someone who has, I don't need to tell you how unhelpful the advice, don't worry about it, is. Feeling anxious? Hey, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Are you depressed? Just cheer up. Look on the bright side. Feeling a bit tight in the chest? Just calm down. Just take a breath. You worried about climate change? Nah, mate, she'll be right. Oh, but once a year I'll make sure I ask, are you okay? Of course, Jesus would have known all this. Even in the time that this was written, birds and grass would have been periodically wiped out by seasonal drought and famine. Although at first glance this passage feels less than helpful in the face of eco-anxiety, I want to explore the deeper truths here and wonder together about how this passage might help us think about what the future could look like. Something that this passage never says is that our lives are going to be free from trouble or any worries at all. Its closing message to not worry about tomorrow because today's trouble is enough for today tells us that our lives will have troubles. This passage also never says that we can sit around waiting for God to deliver us everything we need on a silver platter. Birds still need to build nests. They still need to go out every day and look for food. When Jesus uses this metaphor of birds as something for us to aspire to, the thing that he tells us birds don't do is gather their food into barns. Perhaps what this message is warning us against is hoarding more wealth than we need. You see, there's a clue to this. Right at the beginning, verse 25 opens with, Therefore, I tell you, therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, therefore, of what? Right before this, in verse 24, Jesus has just been warning his followers that they cannot serve two masters, God and wealth. These passages are part of a broader section of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus warns his followers against a love of money. Starting in verse 19, he tells us, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I'm not telling you to not save any money for a rainy day. I'm not telling you to go and close your superannuation accounts. But I think we need to sit with this question of at what point are we hoarding more wealth than we need? And the reason that I'm asking this in a sermon that's meant to be about eco-anxiety is because I think it explains something of how we got here to this anxious state and could offer us a way out of it. 
Have you ever thought about your carbon footprint? By that I mean the amount of carbon emitted because of your choices and actions. It could be whether you walk, ride a bike, catch the bus or drive to work, whether you eat a lot of meat, a little meat, or a strictly vegetarian or vegan. Or maybe you have solar panels on your home, so you don't have to pay for the electricity generated from fossil fuels. The concept of a personal carbon footprint in the way that we think about it today, the way that I just explained, was actually popularized by a BP marketing campaign in the mid-2000s. BP spent a lot of money to make sure that we all felt guilty for using the fossil fuels that they were all too happy to dig out of the earth and sell to us. It's like a drug dealer telling you off because you've become addicted to their products. In recent years, there's been a headline repeated online that you might have heard, that just 100 companies account for 71% of the world's carbon emissions. There is a caveat to that headline that I want to be clear on. These 100 companies aren't just burning these fossil fuels to meet their own ends. They're being burnt to provide products and services for us. So here's the thing. Yes, this is a two-way street. Yes, our actions and choices are important. You should take reasonable steps in your life to reduce your carbon footprint. But far too often, we're not being given a fair chance at making a better choice. Our society is built from the ground up to use fossil fuels to provide us consumer goods and services. It's really hard to exist in the world today without generating a sizable carbon footprint. For many people, low carbon or net zero options to meet their daily needs are either unavailable or unaffordable. So yes, do what you can, but understand that the way our world is currently structured makes it incredibly difficult to remove yourself from these systems. If there's something I hope that you can take from today's sermon is to release you from some guilt. You are not personally responsible for the destruction of the planet. I'm going to say that again. You are not personally responsible for the destruction of the planet. The fate of the world doesn't depend on whether you remember to bring your keep cup, whether you switch to LED light bulbs, or whether you compost. When 71% of our fossil fuel emissions can be linked back to only 100 companies whose profits depend on our demand for fossil fuels to continue, the cards are clearly stacked against us. Although we've all played a part in generating these carbon emissions, we don't all have a fair share of the decision-making power. Vested interests who are hoarding more wealth than they need have disproportionate power and influence to keep the system running just the way it is. If 71% of our fossil fuel emissions can be traced back to only 100 companies, 
that means there's 100 CEOs with the power to make decisions that could radically alter our future. Of the 8 billion people now on this planet, 8 billion, I'm talking about enough people to fit comfortably seated in a double-decker Sydney train carriage. Now, if you've been around Leichhardt Uniting Church for a while, you'll already know the answer to my next question. How do we transform unjust systems of power? We organise. We organise ourselves together for collective action so that our power is multiplied, turning systems of injustice on their head. The answer to our planet's changing climate is collective action. It's found in community. And I think community holds an answer to our eco-anxiety as well. God made us to depend on each other. In community, we find solidarity. We find comfort. How special it is that we as a church come here every Sunday, taking time out of our increasingly isolating lives. We gather as a community to search together for meaning among the chaotic indifference of the universe. We sing together songs of joy and songs of mourning. And we share our joys and concerns in prayer with each other. How many other communities do you know that are doing what we're doing here today? Coming together, contemplating our eco-anxiety and facing this existential crisis head on. God made us to depend on each other. When I see Jesus in this passage speak of birds of the air and lilies and grass of the field, what I see is birds who eat the grains that come from the grass of the fields. Birds that scatter the seeds of the lilies far and wide so that more grass and lilies may grow. When Jesus preached this message to the masses who followed him up the mount, probably at the front of his mind were his own disciples with him. As the disciples travelled with Jesus, they were relying on the kindness and hospitality of strangers. But there's two sides to that coin. For the disciples to not worry about what they will eat tomorrow, but instead trust that someone would provide for them, there's an implicit command there that we must provide for others. Provide for others today, so someone will provide for me tomorrow. Provide for the earth today, so the earth will provide for me tomorrow. God made us to depend on each other. This is a truth that I see in this passage and in the world. There is enough wealth in this world for all, enough resources for our needs to be met, but our fortunes are tied together. The fate of ourselves, the birds of the air, and the lilies of the field are all interwoven. I think Jesus wanted to make sure that we understood that, that when Jesus told us to look at the birds, 
and consider the lilies, he meant to really look. Look closely. Consider deeply. Be present. Focus your attention on your place in creation and the beauty of the world. You see, as I mentioned earlier, telling you not to worry about something is really unhelpful advice. And the reason is because it's next to impossible. You can't not think about something. I'll show you, let's try an experiment. For the next 10 seconds, I want you to not think about a koala riding a skateboard. Definitely don't think about the koala wearing tiny elbow guards and wearing a helmet while he does an ollie off the front steps of the church. Definitely don't think about that. Okay, hands up if in the last 10 seconds you were thinking about or picturing a koala on a skateboard. Yeah, see, this is how the human brain works. You can't not think about something. In fact, when we try to do so, our mind is prone to latching onto that thing even more. I can't tell you to not worry about climate change. You can't tell yourself to not worry about climate change. But what you can do is focus your attention on something else. So what can we focus on instead? Once again, I think that Jesus had an answer for us. He tells us, do not worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Focus your attention on the kingdom of God. Focus on today. What Jesus is asking of us there is an act of mindfulness. He's telling us to focus on the present to work towards peace and justice here in the world today, rather than being caught up in worry about a version of the future that has not yet come to pass. This is what mindfulness practices are about. Training your brain, deepening the neural pathways that allow us to live in the present moment. What mindfulness looks like for you is an entirely personal choice. It might be a meditation practice, or it might be ruminating on a passage from the Bible. Maybe it's playing music. Maybe it's time spent with friends and loved ones, being caught up in the joy and beauty of the moment. Or it might be time spent in nature. A group of us from Leichhardt went on a bushwalk last Saturday in the Royal National Park near Heathcote. As we sat together, resting by the beautiful Kalu pools, we reflected together on the way that being in nature allowed us to feel closer to God. 
removed from the stresses of our life in the city, the peace and quiet of the bush made it easier for us to feel present. Humbled by a sense of awe as we looked out at hills and valleys, we were, remind, we were reminded of our place in and relationship with creation. We need to learn to train our focus on the present instead of worry for the future. Because worry wears us down and saps our energy. And we're going to need energy and inspiration to build a better tomorrow. Behavioural psychology tells us that fear and shame are terrible motivators. To be motivated by passion and love are far more effective. That's why I want us to free ourselves from these feelings of guilt and personal failure. Shame will just wear you down. We need to be kind to ourselves so that we can fight the bigger fight. To organise ourselves around collective action, to demand policy change from our governments and, tr and the transformation of our economy. How do we strive for the kingdom of God? How can we be motivated by passion and love? I've been recently inspired by a marine biologist, conservationist, and climate campaigner named Ayana Elizabeth Johnson. In her recent work, she's been starting to ask the question, what if we get this right? What if we get this right? What if we let ourselves imagine a future where the kingdom of God exists here on earth? A future in which our societies practice good stewardship of creation. A future where our economic systems meet everybody's needs and discourage those hoarding more wealth than they require. A future where we've listened to the wisdom and knowledge of our First Nations people and learnt how they lived in balance with these lands for 65,000 years. Isn't it far more motivating to run towards that future than to run away from a future in which we're imagining death and injustice? Yes, trends are pointing in the wrong direction, but until that future actually arrives, tomorrow is filled with countless possibilities. And that's the mindset that Ayana argues for. It's not one of blind optimism that ignores the troubles of today, but rather, much like Jesus commands us, a mindset that chooses not to worry about tomorrow, but instead knows the future is still a blank slate and chooses to paint on that canvas an image of God's kingdom of justice and peace. To finish, I'd like us to take some time to practice a moment of mindfulness together. I have an excerpt from a poem I'd like to share with you. 
It's a poem by a young Pakistani storyteller and environmental and rights advocate named Ayesha Sadiqa. You may choose to close your eyes or you can read along on the screen behind me. But as I read each line of the poem, let it sit with you. Acknowledge the images and emotions it brings up and then let those feelings wash away. Why don't you take a deep breath before we begin? What if the future is soft and revolution is so kind that there is no end to us in sight? Whole cities breathe and bad luck is bested by a promise to the leaves. To withstand your own end is difficult. The future frolics about, promised to no one, as is her right. Rage against injustice makes the voice grow harsher yet. If the future leaves without us, the silence that will follow will be an unspeakable nothing. What if we convince her to stay? How rare and beautiful it is that we exist. What if we stun existence one more time? The earth remembers everything. Our bodies are the colour of the earth, and we are nobodies. Been born from so many apocalypses, what's one more? Love is still the only revenge. It grows each time the earth is set on fire. But for what it's worth, I'd do this again. Gamble on humanity 100 times over. Commit to life, unto life, as the trees fall and take us with them. I'd follow love into extinction. Thanks for joining us for this episode of As Luck Would Have It. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe and you can also visit our website and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Signing off. Have a great day.